Welcome back to the Health Emotion Podcast. I'm your host, Evie. And if you are new here, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. And I'm really excited for today's episode. It is one that I have been wanting to do for a really, really long time because I talk about this literally on a daily basis. And so I felt like it was time to actually have a podcast episode out about it, uh, easier to reference for people and also um, just to get this information out to as many people as possible. So if you are new, then what we do in the beginning of the podcast episode is a round of breath work. Um, So I'm going to actually start with that today before we get into today's topic. So I do different types of breath work um, depending on the guests that I have. Sometimes the guests will lead the breath work, but for today it's just me. So I'm going to share um, a really easy and quick type of breath work exercise you can do at any point in the day. It's just going to be a prolonged exhale. So we're going to start with a four second inhale through the nose and you want it to be very quiet. Okay. So when I did a breath work workshop, one thing that I took away was noses are for breathing, mouths are for talking and eating. And so we don't really want to be breathing through our mouth if we don't have to. Occasionally it is appropriate for someone to do an exhale through their mouth. But for this in particular, let's do an inhale and exhale through the mouth. I'm sorry, through the nose. And we are going to do a four second inhale and then let's do a six second exhale through the nose. So go ahead with a four second inhale on one, two, three, four, and exhale for six, five, four, three, two, one. Inhale again, one, two, three, four, and exhale for six, five, four, three, two, one. Now do two more rounds yourself. You should be at your exhale now. All right, beautiful. So I love breath work. There's so many benefits to it. I actually have a breath work episode um, that you can go back and listen to and reference. And every episode starts out this way. So um, if you're new, welcome to this. If you are returning, hopefully this is something helpful for you and just bringing some awareness to that breath work. Um, we all, I also want to review the health challenge from last episode, which last episode was the one about my story with binge eating. I didn't really give a health challenge because as I said at the end of that episode, I didn't really know what to have as the episode, as the challenge. It just kind of felt like a heavier topic and I didn't really know like what to make of it. So um, there isn't an actual formal challenge to review, but if you haven't listened to that one, then I'd really appreciate if you did. And I do want to take a moment to thank you all from that episode. So in that last episode, I shared my story about binge eating and I was very nervous to share that because I can hear the voices in my head saying, that's too personal. Like, don't do that. What are people going to say? Well, you people did have things to say. And oh my goodness, the kindness that I received really blew me away. Seriously, I cried reading those messages that you all sent me about how the episode was so helpful to you and how you understand how I was feeling. And some of you shared your own experiences and felt like you could finally put a name to that behavior. Like you were like, I didn't know that that's what it was. But now that I listened to that, and I know that that's what I'm doing as well. And I'm really glad to hear that some of you are ready to tackle this and get to the root cause of your behavior. And I'm seriously rooting for you. I am because 
as you know, I know how difficult it can be to actually be in that position and to overcome it. So I am overwhelmed with gratitude for you all. I seriously am. Because sometimes when I'm talking into the abyss and I'm just like, is anyone actually going to hear this or is this helpful? So to receive feedback on that is really, really um, reassuring to me. And it's motivating for me to continue doing what I'm doing. And um, just I just want to keep doing this. I want to continue providing education and also providing a different perspective in my story. Because what I tell my clients is I'm not by any means immune to a lot of these things. Like I still have issues with my health and I still have these, you know, hurdles to overcome. And so I don't want anyone to look at me and think that I don't ever go through the stuff that you might be going through. That's just not true. So to receive feedback on these episodes, even like Instagram posts or on the emails that I send out, whatever it is, it means so, so much to me. I really appreciate you spending the time to write out this feedback and to let me know that. And I'm really always grateful for this. So please keep it coming. Anytime you have feedback, um, I just really appreciate you taking the time to send that to me. So, all right, let's switch gears. Uh, we know this is the first episode of the new year, which that's pretty cool. So welcome to 2022. Hopefully the new year has gone well for you so far. We're about nine days in. So um, yeah, hopefully it's gone well for you. As most of you know, I did share this on my Instagram. I actually had COVID over Christmas and into the new year. So it wasn't the exact start that I was hoping for. However, um, I'm thankful to be here now and to be recording this podcast. So I did share a little bit about my experience with that on my Instagram. So if you don't follow me already, feel free to go check out that post. Um, you can find me at Holistically Restored on Instagram, and that's going to be linked in the show notes. Um, I debated doing an episode on that. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I just I don't know. We'll see. But what I do want to talk about before we get into today's topic is New Year's goals, because I've been seeing a lot of those come out, understandably so, and just kind of want to give my perspective on that, uh, which has shifted over the years and maybe it'll continue to shift in the years to come. But my perspective on New Year's goals is pretty straightforward. Um, If they're helpful, then awesome. Go for it. I mean, it's really pretty simple. I'm personally of the mindset that having a goal to work towards is ideal. However, if you have to know, however, you do have to know how to set a goal, right? Like you have to know what it is that you're actually working towards and you have to know how to properly work towards that. So I'm pretty sure we've all heard of those SMART goals, which are, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. So that's definitely helpful because if you just say like, oh, I'm going to paint the basement this year without a time frame or being specific about it, then to me, that's just a wish versus an actual goal. I wish a lot of things that don't ever happen because I don't really end up making them goals if I just say like, oh, I'm going to do this this year or this is what I want to do. It's like, well, if you're not being specific about it or putting like a time frame on it, then to me, that's just a goal that's living in my head rent free versus a goal that's actually getting accomplished. So the only real goal that I personally came up with for myself was around being organized, um, which again, I think there's going to be more goals that come up over the year. But um, what I've noticed in the past couple of years is that I've been struggling to stay organized, primarily in my personal life, not so much professional, but I've been asking myself like why? And I have a couple theories. And one in particular is that I tend to work solo a lot, obviously, because it's just me at Holistically Restored. Um, So that means that I can be as organized or unorganized as I'd like. 
And it's just me and my husband, Danny, at home. And so, you know, he's very organized. There's a place for everything. And I really admire that about him. Um, But for me, it's kind of like he also doesn't care if I get a little like unorganized or if I leave something somewhere for like an extra day. So I feel like I can get away with that. And again, working solo at work, I can get away with maybe not having everything tidy or as organized because it's just me. Um, So but what the thing that's bothering me is that I used to be so organized in school and especially college, like I was on it. So I find myself asking myself now, like, well, why can't you be like that right now? Like what happened, girl? And I was talking about this with my friend and mentor, Terea, which she's been on the podcast. She was the first guest that we ever had when Alexis and I were doing this together. Um, And Terea was like, well, you were around others who were also organized in college. So it was easier for you to be organized because we discussed the belief that you're the sum of the you know, five closest people to you, which makes sense. And the more time I spend around people who are organized, the more likely I will become organized. So I'm trying to lean into that because I do have a really good circle of friends and family who are super organized and they are efficient and they get their stuff done. And I admire that so much. So it's funny because I can be organized with work, but then once I get home, it kind of like slips. So that's just, you know, that's kind of my goal is to figure out new systems to put in place. Um, It's kind of around the theme of organization. And we're going to see what comes of it. I haven't gotten too specific yet. um, But again, I'm just now getting better. And obviously, we're super early in the new year. So I'm not too worried about it. So If you have new goals, I'd love to hear what yours are and what you plan to do. Or if you have organization tips, like, please let me know. This could be anything from like, I don't know, like a paper, like filing paperwork or, um, you know, doing like, um, I mean, I'm pretty good with meal prep, but like clothes organization or storage or anything like that, then send them my way because I'm always open to that. So I would love to hear that. All right, let's get into today's topic, which is all about circadian rhythm. Yay. So I talk about circadian rhythm a lot, and so I thought it'd be right to have a formal episode on this. So what is circadian rhythm? Circadian rhythms are physical, mental, and behavioral changes that follow a 24-hour cycle. These natural processes respond primarily to light and dark and affect most living things, right? So this isn't just humans. This is animals, plants, microbes. One of the most important and well-known circadian rhythms is the sleep-wake cycle. It's also the one that I'm going to focus in on this episode because I focus in on it the most with clients anyways. It regulates key functions of the body, much like an internal clock, and is set on a 24-hour cycle. Circadian rhythms are composed of specific molecules that interact with cells throughout the body. So nearly every tissue, organ, cell contains a biological clock, and we're going to be talking about that in this episode. So different systems of the body follow circadian rhythms that are dictated by a master clock in the brain. This master clock is directly influenced by environmental cues, especially light, which is why circadian rhythms are tied to the cycle of day and night. That's also why I pay so much attention to light exposure. As you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm out there getting that morning light because as humans, we are diurnal beings. So diurnal is opposite of nocturnal. So we're awake during the day and asleep at night. Now, obviously, this changes if you're a night shift worker or you have like, you know, small children who are keeping you up at night. But in theory, we are diurnal beings. We're awake during the day. We are asleep at night. So why is the circadian rhythm important? Why do I talk about it so much? And why did I feel the need to have an episode on it? 
Well, regulating circadian rhythm means regulating things like your blood sugar, your digestion, your sleep, your hormones. So right off the bat, uh, it's kind of a big deal. And it's a key, a key hormone in circadian rhythm is cortisol, which is the body's stress hormone. So my clients know this because we talk about it quite often, but cortisol changes throughout the day. So cortisol sometimes gets a bad rap because, yes, it can certainly cause problems, but that's really only if there's an excess of the hormone and there's an excess for long periods of time. We actually do need it and we need it in healthy amounts. So to kind of give a quick synopsis of what cortisol is, it is a steroid hormone produced in the adrenal cortex, which is in the adrenal glands, and those sit right above your kidneys. So the production occurs in a diurnal pattern for circadian regulation. It's elevated in the morning, and then it lowers throughout the day. So at night, your cortisol should be low. If you're a visual person like me, then imagine a graph um, and cortisol levels on that graph. So you would start out at a nice healthy level. So if you have like, let's again get really like middle school math, but the y-axis and the x-axis. So you would have uh, higher up on the y-axis would be where you'd start, and then Cortisol should peak like a mountain over the next few hours, so it would be a big spike, so it would go even more high on the y-axis, and uh, and then slowly goes down throughout the rest of the day. So, you know, wakes up, nice healthy level, it peaks a few hours after waking, and then it slowly drops throughout the rest of the day uh, to be very low level. The reason for this is because cortisol and melatonin which is our sleep hormone, also an antioxidant in the body, work inverse of each other. So in the morning, we need cortisol to be high to get us up and get going for the day and the melatonin to be low so that we can like turn in and relax and sleep. So at night, they flip flop. Melatonin rises and cortisol then lowers. So there's this kind of dance between the two of them. So again, cortisol high in the morning, low at night, melatonin low in the morning, high at night. So at healthy levels, cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory and painkiller. It also aids in metabolic processes, which means it can regulate blood sugar. It can also aid in your fat, protein, and carbohydrate metabolism. It can increase glucose utilization by the central nervous system, and it can support proper digestion. So again, I hope that this is a good reminder and maybe just a good first time hearing of this, that cortisol is actually really important and we shouldn't demonize it. Um, It just gets demonized when it's like at a really high level for long periods of time. Um, And so again, we need it to be different level at different times of day. So you might be asking yourself now, well, how do I know what my cortisol level is? So I personally like to use an at-home hormone test to test mine. Uh, I've talked about this before, and I'm pretty sure I just need to make an episode on this, which is the Dutch test. So Dutch stands for Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. This is an at-home test. They use urine and or saliva, depending on which one you get. And I do that because it tests your cortisol production and sex hormones. So you get to see, you literally get to see the graph of what your cortisol looks like. So you'll get to see, do you have that mountain peak like we talked about? Um, Or is it a flat line? So you actually get to see it, which is nice for people who are visual. So um, again, I think I'm just going to do an in-depth episode on that. But here's your takeaway for cortisol right now. If you just check it, like via blood work, like let's say you are going to get a routine blood work done and your doctor's like, yeah, sure, we can add on cortisol. That's like walking into a movie theater and walking out five minutes later. You don't get the full picture. You have to look at what cortisol is doing throughout the day, which is why I love the Dutch test, because you you collect samples of your urine and or saliva 
throughout the day. So you're not just looking at what it looks like in the morning because some people's morning cortisol is good and it looks normal. And so you'd be like, oh, okay, that's not a problem. We can just move on. But if you then check it later in the day and see like, oh, it stays elevated or, oh my gosh, it drops really, really low or nighttime gets elevated, like you're not going to see that if you just go in one time in the morning to get your blood work drawn. That's why I like doing these other tests that you collect throughout the day because you can see what that rhythm looks like because, again, that influences and plays a big role in circadian rhythm. So, you know, just stay tuned. I'll share more information about this test, but let's get back to cortisol, circadian rhythm and all that. So there are ways to support proper cortisol production. And (laughs) some people love to hear this and some people hate to hear this. But a lot of these are lifestyle based. Um, One of my favorite and most realistic ways is to expose yourself to natural light throughout the day. So again, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love getting that morning light exposure. I typically do it in the form of a walk because I also like getting some movement in in the morning. Um, I do this primarily because it regulates my circadian rhythm and specifically the sleep-wake cycle. Um, The reason I said some people love or hate to hear it is because, you know, I think some of us, which I can understand, we we want that magic pill. We want to take a supplement or a medication to just fix everything. We don't always want to be doing the work involved in fixing that. But the thing with circadian rhythm is that it is heavily influenced by lifestyle. And again, light exposure is a big one. And we'll talk about another one that's also important. But, you know, some people, I think just I think we forget how much control we have over these processes in our body. And so hopefully with the things that I'm going to share, it brings more uh, empowerment of like, okay, like I can do this. This is totally something in my control. So, again, heavily based in lifestyle things. So back to the light, natural light from the sun, or even if it's not sunny, because here in the Midwest, you know, it is uh, gray high right? It is not very sunny all the time, especially in the winter. Um, Any sort of natural light, like so even if it's overcast, getting outside, we're going to call that natural light. It gives off multiple spectrums of light. That spectrum of light then hits our retina and there's this chemical reaction that happens and it sends a signal to the adrenal glands to produce cortisol. So yay, remember we want cortisol to be high in the morning. Cortisol then rises, so it's easier for us to get up and going for the day and it floods our body with that anti-inflammatory effect and all the other things that I talked about that cortisol does. So what is also happening at this time is our body is setting an invisible countdown for when our body should start producing melatonin, which helps us wind down for sleep. Remember, I told you they work inverse. So yes, seeing morning light, which supports proper cortisol production, can actually help you sleep better at night because it tells your body like, okay, we saw saw the sun at 745 in the morning. So let's set a countdown for when we should theoretically be unwinding, which means that we would raise melatonin at this time. So like the body is so smart. It knows what it's doing. We just have to give, we have to get out of the way most of the time. So again, this is why natural light can help your circadian rhythm. It helps that overall cortisol production, which again is the key hormone in circadian rhythm. On the other side of this is that the light exposure you see in the evening also influences your circadian rhythm. So think about it like this. The sunlight gives off blue light and red light, so blue and red spectrum of light. All right, so you get that in the morning when you go for your walk or you stand on your porch or whatever you're going to do. Check. Okay, perfect. We got that light exposure. Then you're most likely staring at a screen most of the day. So you're looking at your phone, the TV, the computer, a tablet, 
or you're inside with LED light bulbs. So those screens and bulbs are giving off blue light as well. So your body's like, okay, with the blue light, we keep cortisol high. Got it. We know what to do. But then the sun is going to go down. And blue light exposure should also theoretically go away too, but it doesn't. Why? Because we keep staring at screens and the lights are on even after the sun has gone down. So your body's like, huh, I guess we still need to pump out cortisol because we are still seeing blue light. And that's what we do when we see blue light. So this is why the reason why we have issues sleeping, we're continuously exposing ourselves to blue light at times of the day that don't make sense. Another way to think about it is like this. So before electricity, let's put us back in those days, which none of us lived through, but before electricity, people really lived according to the sunrise and sunset rhythm, right? When the sun came up, it was time to go to work and get on with your day. When the sun went down, it was time to be home and unwind and rest. There weren't these super bright LED lights in the home that kept people awake and glued to their screens. We weren't sitting there, you know, scrolling Instagram at nine o'clock at night. Like the house was lit by either candles and or fireplaces, which those give off red light, which we talked about red light therapy in the previous episode with the owner of Midwest Red Light Therapy. So definitely check that one out to learn about red light. So overall, there wasn't this big blue light exposure happening, which ultimately that confuses your cortisol production. Because again, if our body is like we see the blue light from the sun, but then we're also getting blue light from these screens. So like what time of day is it? Do we still need to be producing cortisol or not? So very important to understand this. So that's why blue light blocking glasses and all these other things are important. And I'm going to talk about my uh, recommendations for those. But I hope that that helps explain why this light exposure is so important in terms of cortisol production, which then ultimately leads to healthier circadian rhythm. So... It's important to see the sun throughout the day so that your body can get to the get the cue of what time it is, how much cortisol produced, but it also needs to know that it is nighttime. And I get it. I like to watch TV and I like to scroll my phone in the evening too. I'm definitely guilty of it and I, you know, I I preach not to do it, but I still struggle with that too. But what I've been doing is wearing blue light blocking glasses for that purpose. So I do wear regular blue light blocking glasses during the day. And what I mean by regular are the ones that look like glasses, like I'm actually wearing them right now, staring at my computer screen. But I like to wear amber tinted ones in the evening because they block out blue, green and red spectrum of light. So if you have daytime uh, blue light blockers, then certainly wear those. You know, those are better than nothing. It's not like you, oh, well, you're screwed at night because you don't have the amber tinted ones. Um, But the amber tinted ones are great for evening. But again, you don't need to jump to those if you don't have them. The ones that I personally have are from Midwest Red Light Therapy. Uh, I, again, have mentioned that I had Kyle, who's the owner of that company, on an episode not too long ago. And he explained a lot more of the science behind this. And he talks about their glasses and the spectrum of light and what it blocks. So I recommend you listen to that one if you haven't yet. Um, I also, Kyle gave me a code to give to everybody for 10% off of any product or purchase from Midwest Red Light. I'm going to link their website below. And I'm also going to Uh, link the glasses that I have from them. I also got a a blue, I'm sorry, a red light bulb. And I also got the the lights that you can hang in the room. Um, I can't think of what they're called right now, but I got those lights as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, But I will also put the code, the code is restored 10. So I'll have that in the show notes along with those links to those products. Um, So you know, with the light, my go-to thought is that when the sun goes down, the blue light blockers come on. 
And it was hard for me to get used to doing it at first because, you know, how many other things are we thinking about throughout the day? But I was just like, okay, I really need to get into this habit. So my cue was, okay, sun went down, glasses come on. And it was hard to do it until I realized that my sleep was getting better and that I just felt more relaxed while I was wearing them. So not having so much of that light stimulation at night is really calming to me. I also love the idea that I'm like, oh, I'm supporting my proper melatonin production at night by blocking out this blue light. So like the nerd in me comes out and is like, this is so cool. Like I'm I'm supporting my hormone production right now. And so that's another motivating factor for me. Um, so maybe it's a matter of you set an alarm on your phone. Like we all know what time the sun sets now this time of year and just all, you know, every time of year it changes, but you know, like, okay, get pretty much like six o'clock, the sun is down. So maybe I'll set an alarm on my phone to prompt me to put on those glasses. Um, in the episode with Kyle, we talked about that you can set your phone to turn on like more of a red light screen or to block out the blue light at a certain time. Like it can sync with the sunset based on the uh, weather app you have and the time. So maybe you do that as well. Uh, that's what I've been doing too. And I like that. But again, I'm still having those glasses on as well. So to summarize the whole light exposure thing, I want you to think of it like the sun giving your body the cues it needs to make proper hormones at the right time. Try to get as much natural light as possible during the day and avoid wearing sunglasses all day long. And I know some people are going to fight me on this one, but if you're blocking the sun's rays from penetrating your eyes, then you're not really getting the hormonal benefits of seeing the sun, getting that communication into your retina, talking to your adrenal glands, and then producing the right amount of cortisol. It's just not going to happen if you're wearing glasses all the time. So I never wear sunglasses in the morning when I'm out on my walk, and I actually avoid wearing them during the day during my afternoon walks. Now, it doesn't mean I never wear them. Like, obviously, if I'm driving and it's safer for me to wear sunglasses, I'm going to do it. But I don't wear them as often as I used to because, again, any time of day that my body and my eyes can see the sun, they're just getting that communication of like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. Okay, the day has progressed, which means that cortisol shouldn't be as high as it was in the morning. Or like when the sun is kind of coming down at like four o'clock in the afternoon, as sad as that is right now in Ohio, you know, you're like, oh, well, my body's like, oh, well, the sun's going down. So the day must be coming to an end. So let's start making melatonin. So again, it's just that cue that we're getting naturally from the sun. It's that free medicine that I talk a lot about. It's just, it, it just is free medicine. Like our body knows what to do and it's getting the cues. So let's not interrupt it by wearing glasses all the time. Um, try and get that naked eye exposure to the sun. Talked about light exposure as a way to support circadian rhythm. Now let's talk about meals. That's another big thing. So the two main things I'm talking about here are light exposure and meal timing to influence your circadian rhythm. I mentioned that circadian rhythm is linked to metabolism and blood sugar regulation. A way to think about this is rooted in sleep. So sleep affects two hormones in the body, which regulate hunger. So ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin stimulates your appetite while leptin does the opposite. When your body is sleep deprived, it throws off your circadian rhythm, which increases ghrelin levels and it decreases leptin in the body, which that can lead to having, you know, more hunger. So increased hunger and increased sugar cravings even. Eating also requires your body to do the work of digestion. So emphasize, emphasize, emphasis on the word work. So when you eat, your body works to digest that food. Blood sugar rises after eating and ideally will lower an hour or two after you eat. So blood sugar spikes can 
definitely be stressful on the body. I'm sure we've all encountered that where like our sugar got really, really high. We had the sugar rush and then we had this major sugar crash. So if you're constantly eating, the body is constantly raising blood sugar and also pushing out insulin, which, you know, that's the whole thing we talked about with the PCOS. Uh, So that's in that episode. But that will send the cue to your body that it continuously needs to be working on digestion and it doesn't get time to really rest. That's why it's important to eat actual structured meals throughout the day versus grazing all day long. So grazing would be something like eating breakfast and then having a snack an hour or two after and then having another meal and then another snack that might be drawn out for the afternoon. So it's like, you know, for example, I would eat breakfast at like, I don't know, 730. And then let's say I get a little bit hungry. So I'm going to eat another thing at 815. And then I get hungry again. So then I eat at 10. It's like your body is constantly having to do this work of digestion. And it's again, this is influencing circadian rhythm. So it's just throwing off all these systems. So that's more of a specific topic on digestion and why grazing can be, you know, detrimental too. But just I'm trying to stick to the whole circadian rhythm thing. But I did want to point that out that grazing can definitely be a factor in like blood sugar regulation, uh, digestion, hormone production, circadian rhythm. Another thing that is highly debated is eating late at night. And what I mean by late at night is like 8 to 10 p.m., Um I don't really know many people or have heard many people who are eating like two in the morning, but like on a regular basis, at least. Um, But I don't think that there's a blanket statement that we can make about if it's right or wrong, like quote unquote right, quote unquote wrong to eat late at night. I think it just depends on what what. what else is going on with the person. So sometimes someone needs to be eating right before bed because that'll support their blood sugar throughout the night and that that'll support their cortisol production. So, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. I can't think, I just don't feel right saying like you should not be eating late at night or you should be eating late at night. It very much depends on the person. And that's why when I work one-on-one with clients, we figure that out based on a few factors. Uh, We typically look at blood sugar regulation. So they'll be testing their blood sugar and we can see what it looks like throughout the day and then make assumptions of what it could look like at night. So that's a whole other thing. But um, again, because your body is If you're eating, like let's say you're eating a bigger meal closer to bedtime, that can keep you up or disrupt your sleep because your body is having to work on digesting that food. So it's going to have a harder time winding down to sleep and rest if there's so much food in your system to have to digest in the first place. So that's another reason why this can disrupt your circadian rhythm is because you're not actually getting proper sleep because your body is working to digest food that you just ate right before you went to lay down. My recommendation is to eat distinguished meals throughout the day. And what I mean by that is you have your breakfast. Great. You had your breakfast. It's over. You wait a few more hours before you have the next meal. So that might mean that you need to look at your meals and not have such small meals because some of some of the people that I work with, they come in eating these little tiny bird meals. It's like, you know, it's like this is bird food and no wonder you're hungry all the time. So like if we beef up your actual meal that's going to keep you satiated for three, four hours. So you're not going to need to graze or snack in between your next meal. So having distinguished meals throughout the day to eat and, you know, eating around the same time each day, your body's going to get into this rhythm and be primed for it. Like, okay, we know we eat breakfast at 730. So that means that we need to prepare for digestion like this. Oh, and then we eat lunch at 12. So this is what we do at 12 o'clock. So getting 
into that rhythm is going to be very beneficial for your body for multiple systems. But again, relating this back to digestion, relating it back to circadian rhythm. Um, I avoid rec- I avoid grazing because again, the same thing for blood sugar, because when you eat something, your blood sugar spikes. And ideally, it goes back down an hour and then two hours after you eat. Well, if you eat something at 10, and then you eat something again at 12, like your, your glucose never had a chance to come back down all the way because you're eating again. And so your body's like, well, here we go, we need more glucose. So that's why I like to give hours in between meals. And that's an argument for fasting for people. Well, one of the arguments for why people fast for longer periods of time. Um, But again, it's like your body's constantly pumping out glucose when you're eating. And so if you're eating like every two hours, that's a lot of glucose. Your body's got to find a way to regulate. So uh, that's why some people struggle with that. That's not a blanket statement. Don't think that applies to you automatically. There's a lot of factors that go into it. That's why it's great working one-on-one with people. Um, But just overall be aware of that. So we went through a lot of things, but I want to summarize my recommendations on supporting circadian rhythm. So I have a few. First one is to get natural light within 30 minutes of waking. This can look like standing outside, going for a gentle morning walk like me. Uh, you can you know, also place your feet in the bare grass, do some grounding while you're there. But overall, trying to get as much natural light exposure as soon as you wake up as possible. Now, if you cannot get natural light in the morning, because let's say you're waking up at like six in the morning and the sun isn't out, then I get it. There's not much you can do in that situation in terms of getting outside. But what you can do is getting one of those like sunrise alarm clocks. I'm going to link some in the show notes that you can check out. Um, But the concept is that the alarm clock is going to light up your room slowly to mimic the sunrise. So let's say you want to wake up at six, then the light will start to come on prior to your alarm going off. So it's almost like you're waking up in a sunlit room. So this can help your body's production of cortisol and do what the sun would be doing if you were to be able to get outside. Uh, There's a few great ones out there and I'll put them in the show notes. That way you can check them out. Another recommendation is to avoid prolonged use of sunglasses to allow your eyes to get the corresponding spectrum of light from the sun. So we talked about that. Wear blue light blocking glasses in the evening to block multiple spectrum of light from interfering with your melatonin production. Because again, melatonin is supposed to rise in the evening and we need that morning light to help set that countdown of when it should, of when melatonin should be produced. But we also need to you know, not get in the way of that melatonin being produced by wearing blue light blocking glasses. So again, I will link those in the show notes as well. I recommend maintaining consistent meal timing for proper blood sugar regulation and digestion like we talked about. And there are great supplements for cortisol production. But like I mentioned earlier in the episode, this is primarily a lifestyle thing. You cannot supplement your way out of a lifestyle issue. So be cautious with supplements you know, with either an adrenal cortex in there, uh, like a glandular um, adrenal cortex, or with something that's supposed to help your adrenals, because these are just meant to be supplemental. They're not meant to be a magic pill to fix everything. Um, I really want you to understand that. Um, I certainly have used supplements with clients and with myself to help you support that circadian rhythm to support the cortisol production. But these are shorter term things like six to eight weeks, um, because ultimately we're working on the foundations, which are going to be your lifestyle behaviors, like I've mentioned in this episode. 
I can't finish off this episode without mentioning that cortisol can absolutely also be affected by stress as well. So whether it's an emotional stress, a physical stress, or a chemical stress, that's going to influence your cortisol production too. So I don't want you to just think like cortisol is only influenced by these things that Evie talked about in this episode. It's not true. I mean, there's so many things that can affect your cortisol. It's really any sort of stress. Um, And again, there's like three main type of stressors. So the emotional, physical, and chemical. So yes, it is important to consider what I said in this episode, but don't disregard the impact of those other stressors that could be influencing your overall cortisol production. I do have another episode on stress. Um, This was when Alexis was with me. We recorded it. So you can scroll back down and look through those episodes and find the one on stress and how it affects your body. So that was a lot of information. I really hope this was helpful. My goal is to make it you know, to give you that science background, but not for it to be overwhelming, because ultimately, I want it to be something that you understand and that you comprehend, and that you can now apply to your own life. So let me know if you have any questions, let me know if there's anything that needs to be clarified, because again, I just want you to have this information. And now it's time for the health challenge. So the health challenge for this week is, uh, you're probably not surprised, is to get morning light. So whether that means you stand outside on your porch or your balcony, whether that means you go for a walk, whether that means, you know, you've been at work for a few hours and you just go walk to your car, you know, slowly, you take a 10 minute break and walk outside in your car so that you can get that natural light when the sun is finally out, whatever it is, work on that. And if you feel inclined, you know, take a picture of it, send it to me. Like you can send me a direct message on Instagram or post it and then tag me in your picture. I want to see you guys getting this natural light. Uh, I'm always so happy to see people doing it or when they say like, hey, you've really inspired me to do this. Um, I love when my clients get out and do that. I'm always like reacting or like sending them a pump up message of like, nice job getting out. So morning light is the emphasis, but honestly, any sort of light during the day. So if you can't get outside until lunchtime, that's perfect too. Because remember, the sun is always giving us cues as to what cortisol should be doing in the body. So even if you don't get at that morning light, if you get the four o'clock light, your body's gonna be like, oh, the sun is getting ready to go down. So that means we should probably stop making so much cortisol. So any light during the day is gonna be great, but let's try and focus on that morning light. So send me a picture of it, email it to me if you want, you know, post it on Instagram, tag me, whatever it is, but let's get that morning light together. I'll be thinking about you guys as I do this. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. I hope it was helpful. Feel free to message me with questions or let me know any feedback you have. Again, work on that health challenge this week and get some of your friends and family to do it as well. This is beneficial to everybody. If you like this content and you aren't following me already on Instagram, go ahead and do that. You can find me at Holistically Restored. You can also check out my YouTube videos. So my YouTube channel is just Holistically Restored on YouTube. And also check out my website, holisticallyrestored.com for more information on potentially working with me as your coach. I hope that you all have a wonderful week. And again, happy 2022. Let's have a wonderful year together.